Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. We go. This is Pitch Deck Asia. My name is Graham Brown. This is Pitch Deck Angels, which is the first in a new series of roundtable conversations with active angel investors here in Southeast Asia. I'm joined by two people which I've known for a long time, and I have to say I've admired their work. So Rena Neo and Stephen Yu, welcome. It's Thank good you. to have you here. Um, your names, I think, are well known in the industry. Um, let's put a little bit of a backstory to this. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about how all this came about in the first place, Fukuoka. So, <laughs> um, Rina, I've known you the longest. I've known you for quite a few years now. I mean, two or three years probably. Yes. I, I interviewed you for an old podcast before yes. I started Asia Tech Podcast. I'm not sure how that sort of introduction came about, but I think you were a name in the industry at the time. And uh, we had a chat then, then did an interview for Asia Tech Podcast. Then obviously I moved to Singapore as well. Steve and I had known for a couple of years now? Two years. Two years, yeah. Yep. Um, let's talk about Fukuoka because this is where this all came about. Fukuoka <laughs> is a city in Japan, for those that don't know. You're both from, what, you're from Singapore originally. I'm from you're Singapore. from originally from yeah. Penang in Malaysia, yes, yes. right? You live in Singapore. How did Fukuoka come about and also the introduction? So who's going to tell the story? Um, so maybe I can start first. So we've known each other, I think, through Lincoln. Yeah. And then we had a, a first um, sort of interview. And uh, I think I told you that I'm going to Fukuoka. And mm. I am actually quite famous for slotting a few meetings <laughs> in my holidays. It wasn't and, a holiday, though, was it? Uh, well, uh, I try to make it a holiday, but right. my husband always says, why do we have to work? So I say, no, we're going to visit this interesting place and we're going to meet a Singaporean, so maybe he can bring us to some good food. Yeah. So uh, you, sh you, you mentioned uh, Stephen staying in uh, <clears throat> uh, Fukuoka and he's also an angel investor. So we make plans. Why not? And we met at uh, Startup Fukuoka. Startup Cafe. Cafe. Startup yeah. Cafe. And it was really awesome. So wasn't it your honeymoon? Uh, so kind of, of a honeymoon. It's, it's, it's like, like a delayed really? honeymoon. Yes. Yes. I didn't know that. <laughs> it was as she was like having business meetings. Yes, like, yes. but it was really uh, it's nice. In your that DNA. Place. Yeah. yeah, I think my wife will kill me if I do that. <laughs> we met. You met. At, um, well, I'd known you before yep. Fukuoka. Um, we met in Tokyo. Yeah, I met in Tokyo. Yep. You were with your wife in Tokyo at the time. And uh, you had just sort of landed in Fukuoka, I think, at the time, hadn't you? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was only half a year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So the genesis of Fukuoka, you <coughs> moved there. What was the decision? Why did you move to Fukuoka in the first place? It's not the most obvious place for an angel investor to go, especially from Singapore. What's the story there? Well, a couple of reasons. I mean, the personal reason was we were looking for something different. Yeah, to our life. Um, we want to do something challenging. Um, so we decided to learn the Japanese language. Then it was a question of which city to go to. And because we've been doing a little bit of angel investing, we kind of say, hey, let's go to a place that has a lot of startups. And when we did our research online, we saw a lot of news from mm. City Hall, from Jetro, um, you know, from Japanese government talking about Fukuoka. And that's where we end. That's where we end up. Yeah. yeah. It was a challenge. And, and 
we're actually sitting in Stephen's apartment here. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're watching, if you're watching <clears throat> the video version, I don't know if you can see behind Rena's head. There's like yeah. a Doraemon cuddly toy. Yes. <laughs> you're a bit of a fan of you're a bit of a Japan otaku, aren't you? I'm I'm definitely otaku, crazy about the mangas and the anime. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's one of the best way to learn Japanese language. Right. Just to watch the anime and and speak like a three year old. Right. So like <laughs> going to Japan for you is like a coming home in a way. So. Kind of. Right. Kind of. But you're back. You're both here in Singapore now. Yes. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you do. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you consider yourself angel investors, right? And there's a lot of people who are angel investors, quote unquote, out there as well. But you do this regularly. This is what you do on a day to day basis. So let's talk about that. Maybe you can talk about some of the um, investments that you've made. That you know, on what you've learned in the process, because I, I think any angel investor should be able to talk openly about what they do and who they've invested in and what kind of vertical sectors they're in and so on. Yeah. Rena, for yourself, tell us a little bit about some of the um, portfolio that you've been involved in. So, <clears throat> in the past, I was uh, most of my portfolios are in tech, but in recent years, the last two years, um, I think I've shifted to more. Um, I think semi brick and mortar as well. Brands. Um, I'm starting to feel that I have a little expertise in helping to build brands instead of building a business. Because mm. I think it's a little bit harder to build product than service or brands compared to business. So my um, latest investment was actually in a in a sector that everybody thinks I'm crazy. So it was a chocolate company that I invested. Love eighteen. Love eighteen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well. It's tangible. So I, I tasted the chocolate. I, I gave it to people. People like it. So that's like a check. But whether this chocolate will be the preferred chocolate, you know, will it make it to at least a regional player? That's, yeah. you know. They're Malaysian as well, right? Yes. Right. Um, Eddie. Eddie, yes. So why I invest in this guy um, or in, in, in Eddie? Because we had um, some joint venture. In the past, I have invested in his uh, tech company before. Mm. So I know this guy is reliable, he's very hardworking, and most importantly, he has grit. And <clears throat> I know if plan A doesn't work, he will pivot, and he's willing to pivot. Um, the challenge would be, he's always in tech, he's a, a tech guy. So the first venture we had was the first group buying um, platform in Manila. That was eight years ago. Mm -hmm. But we had fun. Uh, I Obviously, it, we didn't make a lot of money, uh, but I think the process is important to me. Um, when Eddie said he wanted to do chocolate, it was quite a surprise to me as well. But he said, I'm just telling you, uh, you don't have to invest. I'm not asking for investment, so I'm going to use my own personal money. Mm. That's the, oh, the second check. So you believe in what you do. Mm. And he actually traveled. Uh, to a few places, in, in fact, I think Japan, Australia, to get inspiration. So one day when I visited him, his house was like full of books about chocolate. So yeah. I can feel <laughs> and smell the passion, right? Um, and then one and a half years later, he said, I'm ready to talk. Yeah. So I said, how much have you burned? He said, actually not much because he was doing chocolate in his kitchen and selling it online. I think that's, mm. you know, a, a good way to test the market. Yeah, so it was just a year ago that he said, okay, uh, I'm ready to take in some investment and I wanted someone that I've worked with before 
and uh, someone who doesn't bark me every day and say, how's your chocolate doing? Mm. Um, of course, someone who loves food. <laughs> so <laughs> obvious, yeah. right? Penang yeah, yeah, yeah. people, right? Uh, so I, I put in, you know, uh, so I'm the first angel investor. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good story. Uh, Eddie, I've met Eddie and I've, I, he was on the show some yes. months back and I was really impressed by obviously the passionate part about love of chocolate. I mean, mm -hmm. it's difficult not to love chocolate as yes. well, but also being, I mean, <coughs> they risked a lot. It was him and his wife, right? Yes. You know, they started that. Yes. They, they, I mean, you talk about that second checkbox, investing my own money. Yes. And how important that was because they've put a lot of skin in the game. Yes. They, they could have been a successful tech company or I think they came, I don't know the background before that, consultancy or something. Uh, or so he, he, we started a group buying company yeah. and then uh, we cash out and then he actually um, brought in uh, iPay88, which is an yeah. online payment platform um, to Manila. So he built on uh, iPay88 from scratch. So he's a good operator. Yeah. And then he, he has got, I think maybe some small sweat equity. And then after that, he, he brought in Initi, which is a digital agency, also listed in Malaysia Stock Exchange. And he actually built it for three years. Mm. Um, I believe he has some equity there. And for some reason, he said, probably I'm too tired about <clears throat> doing tech. He wanted right. to do something different. But it's, it's not completely different, is it? I mean, there are yes. a lot of mindset you know, things yes. that you can bring across yes. to chocolate. So this is exactly at the point. If you ask me, would I invest in a passionate chef that says, Rina would like to open a restaurant mm. and da, da, da. I don't think so because, you know, I, I was told that restaurant is difficult. But Eddie, because of his background, he's in tech. And then chocolate, I believe, is sort of art. You know, he's able to combine these two. Right. And when he wants to launch something, he can use the technology part, the social media listening. So he, he, he can show me why, you know, Absolutely. I want to launch this. Yeah. Uh, he can show me the patterns. And he does a lot of good research telling me that, you know, Indonesia consumption of chocolate is like $4 billion. Hmm. It was crazy. Four billion dollars, and then he told me Cadbury is almost two hundred years old, and just selling chocolate. Yeah, and chocolate is something you can sell to kids, to adult. It's like water. So yeah, I say, that's quite true. So <laughs> I actually learned a lot, and I was so amazed that he, mm. you asked him anything about chocolate. He did a deep, deep dive. He did yeah. a deep dive, deep dive. Yeah, and yeah. and I think that is something very rare nowadays. It's all about hearsay. You know, um, they take snapshots of reports, but they mm. don't really dissect and understand how it will impact. It's just showing, oh, that's a billion dollar market. That's a trillion dollar market. But the execution plan, step by step, mm. how you're going to uh, compete with the um, existing brands. So the two obvious brands are Godiva and Royce. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, premium chocolates, but, you know... Um, at a very um, artisanal mm. luxury level as well. So my question to him is, how are you going to compete with this too? Because they put a lot, obviously, in marketing, dollar, branding. Um, he just said, well, we do it slowly. Um, we do it sincerely and with love. So yeah. I said, okay. <laughs> That's, so That's a good start. Though. I mean, it's, it's yes. important, isn't it? Because yes. you can build a profitable business without being completely global. Yes. If you know your market and know yeah. what you're not as well. <clears throat> it's a really interesting story. I mean, you mentioned also something you said, Rena, which I've, I made a note of. You invested in him. 
yes. rather than the business. Yes. And I'll come back to that in a minute. Yes. So this is a really important point. You've already sort of like built the backstory to that. Stephen, maybe um, just a, a, a heads up on one or two of your portfolio investments. Who would you say, I mean, can sort of best describe the kind of investments that you've made? Um, I think let me start with Sherilyn Tan, yeah. um, Asia Law Network. Um, I think for me, when I when I want to invest in a startup, you know, I'm I'm really looking for, you know, the very first thing I want to look for is the team. You know, as as Rina say, she invested in Eddie. Um, for me, it was when when Sherilyn and her team came to me and the two co-founders came to me the first time. You know, it was that spending that four hours talking to them and then seeing the chemistry that, mm. that exists between the team, you know, looking, just watching how they would complete one another's sentences. Um, and they were all different people. You know, Sherilyn came from an accountancy background. Um, there was um, Gabriel that came from a digital marketing background. And then Pihon was a fighter pilot turned coder. Oh, yeah. interesting. Mm. <laughs> Self-taught, by the way. Which... Yeah, <laughs> coding, coding, the coding bit, and it was it was really amazing to see that that that, that yeah. dynamics going on. Um, uh, but I think more importantly, I think the, the passion that they put into into what they were doing. They all gave up whatever you know, paying career that they have, the corporate roles that they have to do this, um, and then it um, it was it was very intense. I, I can see that they they really wanted to do something that was different. Mm bring change to a one of the oldest profession in the world to the legal industry and i'm a lawyer from and, and i've done um you know i've been in the legal industry for 25 years from you know and you know my perspective comes from both practicing in the law firm and also working as an in-house counsel and from what they told me you know create they were trying to create a brand new marketplace in order to match make lawyers and clients to make mm. it easier to reduce the friction you know to make make could uh, make legal services accessible mm. to everybody. I think Sherilyn's word was to make justice accessible to everyone. That's where she's coming from. Mm. And I think that, that that team dynamics, you know, that passion in what they have, and the fact that you know I had a chance to look at what they were building at the time, it was already um, working. Um, that attracted me. Mm. Um, plus, I I like to also bet on. Um, what I call um, the non-traditional founders. You know, the typical tech founders will be a guy. Mm. Um, most of the time, they will be white. Mm -hmm. um, so I was going for something different. Yeah, yeah. And Sherilyn was one of them. You know, I, I was really impressed that a, a young lady like her was really dry, hard driving. And she's got real hustle as well. Yeah. I, I was so impressed. Yes. I met her yeah. once. Yeah. yeah. She came yeah. in and did, uh, she came into the studio and uh, she told me about when they built the MVP of their product. She took screenshots, literally just screenshots and mock-ups with a laptop and they went out and they pitched all the lawyers. It really was just knocking on doors. Yep. Yes. I mean, that is the. I mean, anybody should hear that story yep. and say that this is what you got to do. Yes, actually, that how many people or how many potential customers that you have met should be a slight instead yeah. of yeah. you know I've been featured in you know whatever under thirty under thirty media coverage and all this. <laughs> this doesn't translate to any yeah. valuation yes. to me. I just say yeah. skip the slides. It's just too many media slides. But if you tell me I've met a hundred cus potential customers mm. today, you know, and, and you've been doing this for like months, 
you've been knocking on doors. That shows a lot more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, as a skill, it's hard to teach, isn't it? But those are the kind of founders you want to bet on yeah. because yes, they they yes. won't. And everybody talks about not giving up, never give up, and all that sort of thing in the startup world. But let's see how these people actually cope when you know the SH1T hits the fan. Yeah. Right? You know, let's see how they yeah. they get on. Because it's tough, right? Yeah, you know, these people have got that grit that you talk about or that, you know, like Sharon yep. and the team, they, they got that passion and drive. Yep. You know, that they're going to keep going. Yeah. I think the, you know, the, the ultimate combination of skills that I'm always looking for in a founder is, you know, on, on the, the one circle is that you've got to be geeky, whether it's chocolate or, yes. you know, the legal industry or coding or whatever. You, you really must be prepared to deep dive into whatever the hell they are trying to sell hmm. or build. The other circle will be the hustling. Are you street smart enough? Are you? Do you have the grit to go out there to knock on 1,000 lawyers' office door and say, please use my product? And get rejected. <laughs> yes. 999 of yeah, them will tell you to yeah. go away. This doesn't work. And keep yeah. going. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That is, that, it's an interesting characteristic, isn't it? And I guess, you know, this is that sort of X factor we look for in, in founders. And I guess as investors as well, you become attuned to that and you yep. become aware of those kind of patterns of behaviors and personality types and so on. You know, I, I was speaking to Vinnie Laurier from Golden Gate. I was doing an interview with him. And he, interestingly, he, he's the founding partner of Golden Gate Ventures. But on his LinkedIn profile, he lists newspaper boy as one of his experiences. And, you know, like when he was <laughs> yes. like 15, yeah. 16. Yep. And I, I was speaking to him about it and he said, oh, I forgot I put it in there more or less as entertainment. But the fact is, is that, you know, he said, his, his mom and dad said, you've got to go out and you've got to work and hustle. Yes. And a newspaper boy, it's pretty tough, isn't it? Maybe like it's long hours yes. or poor pay and whatever. I know, for example, you've, you've had an interesting background as well, but you were like selling quite early on, weren't yes. you? So, you know, it, well, I, because I didn't have chores, not right. that I love it. But, you know, looking back, I thought it was... It, it, it's a good experience. I mean, now I think because at that time I didn't have much choice at hmm. such a young age. That you were supporting your family, right? Yes. So. Anything is an option for me. I should try. Right. Yeah. I've been like my mom owns a hair salon in our one bedroom apartment and I'm a shampoo girl so I'm a qualified hairdresser as well maybe I should list on hair card <laughs> yeah I mean those, those days you know you just do right. and then you know how old are you uh, so about 12 because right. I'm quite tall so by 12 I could reach <laughs> when when I was growing I was just handing you know those uh, curlers to my mom and those pins you know, yeah. those days yeah so wow. I learned I learned yeah that's cool yeah that's good there's something you should be proud of I think as well yes. so you know so if I'm jobless I can still go back to cutting hair <laughs> there you go it's always there in the background all right um and uh, you're both people that I, I've admired for some time. And I think that you, you know, it's great to have you in this roundtable situation to find a bit about your story. I think as well, the, the key, the challenge here is that trying to, you know, for the angels as well, and all those people in the ecosystem who support startups, trying to help those people understand who you are and what you do, right? Because I think that's really important that startup founders, they might just see you as a check and yeah. just like, you know, sending you emails and, you know, like, can you have a look at my pitch deck and get back to me? Or, yes. You know. I think they are, they think we are an ATM, but I always tell them that <laughs> my encryption code is more than six digits. All right. You know? Well, law of averages, they'll get there in the end. <laughs> yes. LinkedIn messages, right? So, okay, so... Uh, 
uh, we've had some questions from um, listeners, and we don't have any listeners yet, but you know, I said this was going out, so um, okay. some of the LinkedIn community have been kind to come up with questions that they have to angels. I think most of them are founders. Um, mm -hmm. There may be angels asking questions as well. Hopefully in the future they will. So um, let's just throw these sure. questions out in a quick fire round, sure. you know, whatever comes to your head. Um, what has been the most innovative way a startup grabbed your attention? Have, let me ask you, has there been an innovative, innovative yes, way? Yes, actually, yes. At a wedding held next to a pool. Right. That was quite surreal. I was in my swimming trunks. Oh, my. <laughs> he was in. Are you sure? Let's, let's, let's picture this. This and, is marvelous. And, and he was in his swimming trunks. So oh, it, God. It, it was two of you? No, and my oh. wife, my, my co-founder <laughs> okay. co was also there, you know, my, my CFO and co-founder. <laughs> so it was quite surreal. It was the three of us. We were just, initially, I thought, you know, we're just shooting the breeze and just, talking about the weather and then it kind of segue into into what he was trying to build yeah and it was amazing it was i was really very tempted to just tell him then and then say okay you got me right where do i sign yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Why, why did that all work apart from the swimming trunks and the swimming pool what was the the, the sort of input factors that made all that work for you i think what caught my attention was um, we were both guests to a wedding mm. we um, and even then you know he was not shy about pitching me uh, even in that kind of environment that's the checkpoint of hustling that's the hustling anytime if you wake that guy up in the middle of the night <laughs> and say there's an investor he will pitch in yeah. his pajamas yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. he was ready to go with his pitch yeah, this was literally a, an elevator pitch type. It was within you know two minutes. He explained to me what he was trying to do. Um, he didn't obviously have a pitch deck. He was in his trunks. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he just got out of the pool. <laughs> um, and but he was ready to go, and he was able to summarize it in a way that yeah. caught our attention. Both my co-founder and I were like, okay, when you get back to your room, send us your deck. Mm -hmm. We want to have a look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think I think that was that was quite an experience. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many lessons learned there, isn't there? I mean, for founders as well. As well for angels, you know, in the sense that you don't have to necessarily do it in a formal situation. I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, I was having obviously. a beer, having my l yeah. lunch, you know, having a swim, that kind of thing. And then, you know, we just met. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, that was a good question and a great answer as well. <laughs> I don't know how you repeat that, though. So. <laughs> I will hang out at a pool more often. <laughs> Invite him to a pool. There you go. That is Angels Pools Party. Right? They, well, there you go. Oh, <laughs> on the you, island. Can you pitch in your trunk? Yeah, exactly. That would be interesting. You were like that. <laughs> we can have like a bikini. All happened here. There you go. So, all right. This, I'll ask you this one next then, Rena. Um, sure. Somia. So Somia TS. I don't know her second name. But um, she asks, um, what factors sway yours as an angel investor's decision to invest in a startup even before they have a product or service? Well, if it is a stranger to me, then, you know, obviously uh, the business plan or the framework needs to be communicated. If it is someone that I know, for example, if Stephen or yourself and mm. said, I'm going to start something, would you like to jump on a bandwagon? Uh, my answer would be yes. Mm -hmm. Because no matter whatever you guys do, I think you do it quite right. Mm -hmm. So like Eddie, you know, um, when he um, pitched this chocolate thing and he said, I'm ready to take an investment. Um, I said, okay, I'm in. But we 
you know, we never say, okay, show me your pitch deck first and then da 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 because you, you've probably had a relationship before. So mm. that is why um, referral or, you know, if it's uh, coming from a co-investors that you work with, you know, like Steven or some of the co-investors that I had, when you say, oh, I have this opportunity to invest, would you like to jump on a bandwagon? I say, mm. sure, because my due diligence is sort of on them, That's right? Interesting. Yes, mm. and if it is in the industry vertical that I like, uh, which is, of course, education, <clears throat> uh, a little bit of healthcare and food, then it's, you know, something that probably, to me, if it's, you know, all these are checklists, mm. then it's pretty easy. Mm. Yeah. Is it quite an emotional decision for you? Or is it, I mean, to <clears throat> what extent do you make a decision, you know, through gut instinct? Because I, I, the reason why I ask is because when I see successful investors and entrepreneurs, they've built up so much experience, they make snap decisions about people in many cases. Yes. Sometimes they can't evoke why, but it's just based on lots and lots and lots of patterns that yes. they've seen. Yeah. That, okay. And it may be a bias as well. That's, you know, has a negative and a positive bias, but it works for you. Um, to what extent are you then sort of like diving into the numbers and the, the, the spreadsheets I and so actually, on? for... For new ideas, early stage, the numbers doesn't make sense to me at all. Mm. It, they're probably mm. plugging from the sky. So, you know, if you give me a five-year projection, I think that's bullshit. You know, if you can yeah, give me five months years, is tough, huh? Yes, <laughs> because next month you probably have zero, you know, dollar in your bank mm. account. So, um, I have paid a lot of tuition fees as well. Uh, so, over the many years, 15 years, you tend to, I tend to have casual conversation with them. Mm. I think uh, besides work or besides the business that they want to build, um, their social activities, I tend to ask them, mm. how often do you bring your mom out for dinner? How often do you visit them? Stuff like this, because really? I think the core of that person, mm, you know, if you... What are you looking for there? I mean, if somebody says, I, 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 I'm I haven't phoned mom some, for 12 months or... Someone that's, um, you know, a, a human being. Mm. Compassion, you know, being just a human being. You know, you, you can be very rich, but you don't have all these basic things that, you know, human or, you know, as a son, as a daughter, needs to, you know, be responsible mm. of. Then I think it'd be... Probably it's okay for others, but for me, I think that's quite important for me mm. because that I would. If you can't take care of your parents or someone you love, how are you going to take care of your team? They're just your team members, your yeah, employees, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So I tend to have a casual conversation with them, try to ask them questions outside of the pitch deck because they would have prepared all. Yeah. So little words, like I said, you know, true experiences, mm. words that they use. This is my idea. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Where's the team? Yes. Yeah. It's very insightful. Yeah, so, that, so that was really you, interesting. Yeah. So if you ask me, um, well, is there a format that, you know, there's mm. none? Because it depends on their answer and then how I would react as well. But 15 years ago, I would be like, wow, my God, you, you know, impressive press, you know, your mm. deck is so impressive. Mm. But uh, right now, I think, um, I, I try to look for that core because it doesn't change that much. Mm. And that the whole profile of that person, instead of just, you know, I like this part of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole package is important. How he spent, does he even do charity work? Mm. How does he feel about CSR? Mm. You know, does he give back to society? 
things like this, I think, is, is you know, important to me. I'm yeah. not sure about other investors, but certainly I'm looking beyond financial, right? That if he's looking at, oh, you know, education, definitely he can do other things that will probably be a better candidate for Unicorn. But mm. for me, because my, you know, I love education, I think uh, without education, I wouldn't be what I am today. So mm. especially, you know, early childhood education. Mm. So I would, it would be like a double check for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's values, isn't it? That, yes. It's really important to Correct. me. Correct. I think... This is really insightful because I think for founders, and I speak for the founders, myself as a founder and the founders I sit with as well, we don't often think to that level of depth. You know, we only ever think about, you know, your potential return or you're looking for the unicorn rather than focusing on that sort of human relationship that goes between an angel investor and a, a startup founder, right? Because it, ultimately it's a team. They might not be an active team member, but they're an important part of the team, right? And we don't often think in those terms. Like, you know, I'm thinking about trying to impress you with my pitch deck, right? I'm not really thinking necessarily this is the problem about the angel and what they're thinking about, right? And that's what we kind of kind of get to get out, isn't it? We've got to kind of tell people that, that angels have things that they invest in and believe in and they have backgrounds as well and understand that a bit more. Because, you know, if you had somebody sitting across the table for you, if they'd heard this, you know, they Many know times. Yeah, they know all the things that they need to be saying, right? To to get through to you, right? Yeah. I think the point is is <clears throat> as a Angel investor, the angel investment should be a very small part of your portfolio. <coughs> so when when you're looking at a when you're talking to a potential angel investor, um, you know, this is a guy who would have maybe 80%, 90% of his money invested in a whole bunch of different stuff. Yes. Real estate, mm. equities in, in the listed market. And the angel investment really is 10, 20% of his portfolio. There's easier way to make money than angel investment. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> much, much easier way. Yeah. And then, so the question is, what motivates the angel to come yes. with yeah, the money? Absolutely. It's got to be something more. Correct. It's got to be value-driven. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you, I mean, Rena's obviously given some really interesting insight into herself. For yourself, Stephen, what would that be? You know, there are easier ways. You can stick it in bricks and mortar. You can stick it in commercial real estate. Why angel investment? Okay, it's going to sound corny that um, I'm going to say this, but, you know, I'm really looking to change the world. Um, um, And if I can use my money to finance someone that's going to go out there to change the world, I think that Mm. that's what interests me. In what way change the world? Because there's so many places you can start, right? So you must have some (coughs) thesis about... Well, um, so we have two verticals that we invest in. You know, we invest in marketplaces for services. Um, matchmaking lawyers and clients is one of them. The other investment that we have is called Trainers Vault. It matches personal trainers with clients. Same thing. Um, we like these kind of ideas uh, because, and we like this kind of product because we think there's a lot of um, uh, friction mm. when it comes to personal professional services. Whether it's personal services or professional services, in order for us to get to the best one, it's hard. As a, as a consumer of those services, you need to ask your friends. You need referrals. You need lots of work to get to that best one. If there's a marketplace that allows you to have that with transparency, with trust and safety, with trusted reviews, why not? Mm. You know, 
I think that improves the quality of life to the consumer of those services. It also improves the quality of life to the providers of those services. They don't have to waste the money in inefficient marketing mm. programs or whatever they want to do to advertise for their services. They use the platform. So I, I do believe if we can do that kind of matching in a more efficient way, it makes for a better world. We also invest in payments, which um, you know again kind of stems from my uh, belief that we need to have more financial inclusion. Um, banks are not doing a pretty good, not doing a very good job in, mm. in, in making it easier for people to pay and get paid. Yep. And, and if the people can come along and figure out a cheaper way and a more efficient way to pay, especially across national borders, I like that. Mm. And hence my investment in 10X. Mm -hmm. yep. Great. Okay, there's so many questions here. I'm conscious of the time as well. <laughs> and I also want to ask you about the event coming up. So um, maybe we can pick one more question. Um, some of these questions are the same. For example, when you decide to invest in a startup, this is Abelash Rout. I think I've got his name right. Apologies if I haven't. Um, when you decide to invest in a startup, what factors add up to your final decision? And they list team, solutions, sales, and so on. Maybe to make this easier, what would be at the top when you, if you were to create a playbook for your investments? Yeah. In those factors, if you were to list. We've talked about, for example, like values yep. and the founder and so on. What else is there at the top that you want to see? So I think we talked about team. Team. Yeah. Right? Um, technology is important. We want to look yes. at a platform. We want to see what you're building. Are you really building something? Correct. Um, is it just a me too? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 There's so many You wouldn't invest there. in a me too? Not really. Okay. <laughs> I mean, when you do a me too, when you do a me too, you're really you invest in a me too. You're really looking for a quick exit. Yeah. That goes against my whole idea of you know trying to build something that changed the world. Yes. Um, and then the last bit is even at such an early stage, we look for traction, mm. at least some usage. Yes. And then based on those usage, we want to see what your users are saying about your technology. I think for me that those are the three T's that we look on the mm. on the the data side the fact side yep. and then the other bit of it is the soft side you know? yes. do we click with the guy hmm. um, yeah is would it you, going to be a potential headache for me right would you ever invest in a startup had an amazing team technology traction but you didn't like the founder um I think liking someone is quite subjective. Yeah. Uh, I'm asking, right? wait, yes. for you, if you really didn't like that person, would you invest in Would them? you put money in? No. Never? No. Never. No. no. Yeah. It's a really good point. Okay. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, want to talk about the event coming up, but before we do, and really to help, I guess, on the education side with the angels, like how, and sorry, and the, the, the startups is that how do they best approach you? Obviously, you know, Swimming trunks and pool is a it's great... Fine. It works it's works in fine. some cases. <laughs> <laughs> but for those who don't have access to those resources and Stephen's time and Rena's time, for example, um, tell me what works. I mean, maybe we can preface that by talking about what doesn't work because you must be bombarded with messages all the time. That, yes. You know, doing this as well, I'm sorry, it's only going to get more, but hopefully we can kind of like just tune out the yep. noise a little bit more and help educate people. Because there's some of those who just maybe need a bit of training, right? And they could do it better. 
what doesn't work? Is it, you know, for example, like the email message and saying, here's my pitch deck, take a look. Okay, we've established that. What else doesn't work with you in terms of pitching or like the cold approach or whatever? Um, I guess if emails is fine, I try to reply, you know, as many of those LinkedIn email because, you know, to us is is junk. It's not junk, but it's sort of like spam mm. box. But to that founder, you know, it's his hope. And I actually feel bad, you know, sort of crushing someone's hope. It's like the pitch uh, competition. Some mm. actually walk away because maybe that's not his day. But I tend to say, go back and say, hey, actually your pitch is not that bad. But, you know, these are the few things that you potentially can refine and then you can try later. Because... To them, it's like maybe there's the everything, right? Mm. But to us as investors or judges, it's like, you know, things you see every day. So, but if someone writes you an email, you know, since we have got a bit of experience, you can feel whether it's a templated, mm. whether they did a bit of research about you and it's actually written from the heart, sincere, the words. Um, and I think that makes it, if it is a cold email like that, mm. that that few sentences, uh, you have actually checked me out, you know, what are my portfolios, what I like, you know, you know I invest in schools, so this, this is my new platform that could potentially be useful to your schools. Mm. That is, I think, you know, uh, chances of getting a reply will be so much higher. But mm. I think as much as investors get to do due diligence on who they want to invest in. I think the founders or the team, they should actually, you know, spend some time try to profile that angel investor or the person that you so wanted to bring on your team and who are, you know, her or his circle. Mm. That uh, I think quick, you know, email blast certainly doesn't work. And, you know, I would appreciate if they don't mistaken me or Stephen, Stephen being a girl, me being a uh, yeah. guy, <laughs> and uh, some they different names, and arena, but then the venture capital is someone's name or yeah, some right, other right, companies, yeah. right? That that sort of like, okay, you're it's not really off. serious yeah, about yeah. it. And if you send someone a deck today, don't ask the guy or the girl or the investor, can you let me know if you're investing? Yeah. I'm not a robot. Mm. ATM. You, yes. It's like, and then, you know, it's like, when can you get back to me? Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, the tone. And uh, if you rush me, I'm like, okay, I'm not sitting around every day just to look at decks. Yeah, yeah. You have a life outside of this. Yes. Right? It's good. I mean, it's a great point. I mean, for us to appreciate that angel investors are human beings yep. as well, yes. right? Not ATMs, yes. right? Correct. <laughs> And you're going to get so much farther, farther if you treat them with respect as well. Yeah. You know, and, not, and just, not undue irre, you know, reverence. They're, they're human beings who want to work with you, right? But I, I think the, the, your point about coming, treating us with respect, the respect that we want really is very simple. Come prepared. Yeah. Come prepared. You actually know who I am, what I invest in, what I don't invest in. Um, you know my background. You know my profile. Because I will go prepared to the demo night. Or the, or the pitch night, yes. mm. or, or whatever networking event. So coming back to the guy in the swimming trunk, he came prepared. Yeah. So we actually have a mutual friend in the groom. The groom prepped him to the, that I was coming to the wedding. 
So he knew I invested in a groom. So he, the groom actually told him, look, this is my investor. Mm. By the way, he's sitting at the, bar, at the pool now you know, <laughs> with his wife. Maybe you should just go corner him. Mm. So he knew, he did his trolling you know, yes. on, on social media, on LinkedIn. He knew, yeah, yeah, yeah. he knew exactly what I was. So it was only after we had a pleasant conversation, you know, he went off and I ran into the groom and said, hey, look, I, I met this guy called Andy you know, by the pool and, and it's Cool idea. I said, yeah, I told him he should go talk to you yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. He came prepared. So I think that, that was important. But that means he's not going to waste your time. Was, and yes. that, that says a lot in business, yeah. right? Yes. He's not also going to waste your money, hopefully, yep. right? That all goes part and parcel of yes. the same. The character as well of that yeah. person. Yep. The other thing that I think works for me is like some of them are at early stage and they are, they're not saying, can you invest me, in me? But they say, oh, I have some... Um, questions mm. and i you know if i would appreciate if if i can run it through you you know can you be my virtual mentor i won't bug you for you know a lot but you know there's some you know sometimes you come at a crossroad mm. i just needed some advice and through that relationship being a mentor first i think the chances of me investing is so much higher yeah. right yes. because it, it it started with something that i just need you know to reach out to you and uh, you know, hopefully, we can learn from each other. And uh, instead of just, can you invest in me? Yeah. In me? I yeah, mean, the, the answer right. is, of course, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's interesting. I mean, do you do that as well? I mean, do you have sort of, uh, you know, you situations where startups come to you, founders come to you, and say, "Look, I need your advice. <coughs> can we chat?" And not directly pitch you. Yes. And yes. then, you know, yeah. that then develops into a relationship and then you invest in them at yes. later yes. stage. So and and yes. because, like, they'll say, can I send you my teaser? I say, yeah. sure. So when I have time, I'll look at it. Even some, even some of it, like, I said, okay, uh, there's a grammar mistake. I think yeah. you should change this. I mean, these are the things that I think most angels would don't mind doing. But, you know, it doesn't come as that forceful. But I, in the process, I get to learn about you. I get mm. to learn about... And I see, you know, those suggestions that I've made. It may not be the brightest answer, but you, you, can, you are coachable. Mm. That's one thing very important oh. for early stage startup, whether the person is coachable. They'll listen. Yes, because... Even if they may disagree, but they can yes, listen to correct. your... So we rationally... Implement. Yes. Either, yeah. We're not perfect as well, because, yeah. you know, um, there are so many new technologies and things out there. So... I, I see it as, you know, uh, sometimes I have to unlearn the things I've learned mm. so that, you know, mm. I can absorb more. Absolutely. This is really good advice. So rolling up to March the 20th will be our first Pitch Deck Connect event. We're bringing together angels such as our esteemed company here and startups, so qualified startups who've been on the show and who've done the pitch already. So you can go and see the pitch. Um, hopefully we've you know, reduce the noise down to focus a bit more on quality, which is the challenge I think that's coming out of this, isn't it? It's time wasting and it's, you know, lack of quality and it's, there's so much noise out there. How do you focus on those people, you know, the right founders, the people who are not going to waste time, the right angels as well who are not going to waste time. So bring those people together. What do you want to get out of this? Now, sitting with startups, what would you like to see come through the door and talk to you? You know, what kind of conversations do you want to have? Do you want people to come and sit with you at a table and say, hey, Stephen, I heard about you. Here's my pitch. You know, I'm not wearing swimming trunks, but this might work. There's a bar here. Or, you know, would it be, you know, let's have a conversation or, you know, 
do you mind if I talk a little bit about my, my pitch deck? What is the sort of the best sort of conversation that they can have in that context with you? I think in in this coming event, it's it's different from a lot of the events that I've attended. In that we now have a whole archive of videos and podcasts that we can check out. Um, so I would have an opportunity to actually sieve out which are the startups that are coming that would be that would fit into my investment mandate mm. in my investment hypothesis. Um, and and that's really at the end of the day what I'm looking for. You know, to save me save myself some time um, to to meet random people just to hear them out for three minutes and tell them no. I think that's wasting my time, wasting that person's time. I would rather have that very focused um, conversation so I could zero in on a couple of them right away and say, hey, mm. I've already seen you on um, Pitch Deck. Um, I saw your video. I, I read your Pitch Deck. I'm in, I've got these few questions. Uh, I think that's what I'm, I'm hoping to do as far as the founders are concerned. Um, on the angel side, I'm hoping to meet fellow angels, um, you know, learn new things, learn new investment theses that they may have, mm. um, and also hopefully to find co-investors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that as well, mm. because <clears throat> often these events are seen as like one-way no. pitches, aren't Should they? They're often be. like, yeah. they're going to come, they're going to pitch you, and you're going to no. sit there and watch, and then you're going to make your notes and then walk yeah, off. Yeah, it's and like some, a beauty pageant. Yeah, right? it, no. like, you know, out of 20, 19 lose, one person, you know, gets the prize and yeah. so on. That, that's how it has been for many years. We want to change that, right? Yes. So for everybody else that's coming and having that sort of focused conversation, um, angels as well, what, what should they know? How should they be prepared? In, in the sense, not just for the founders, but talking to other angels as well. So is, is there, I mean, are you looking for co-investors? I mean, Stephen, you said yep. you are. Yes. And if you are, what would be the kind of co-investors you want to work with? Do they come with a specific vertical expertise or what? Um, I guess vertical expertise is not, you know, the top of my concern is, you know, um, I think whether I can click with the potential co-investors, just like, you know, it's a teamwork mm. between the angel investors or between the investors and the angel investors and the te- the, the founders as well. So I think the first um, sort of impression and the first few conversations, um, like for example, we considered ourselves a little bit, uh, and angels were a little bit more experienced because likely we have lost some money. <laughs> <laughs> yep. kind of we have a couple of startups blow up. up. <laughs> yeah, so almost. Uh, so so if, if there is a new angel investor mm. that wants to come on board and to sort of, you know, uh, learn from tuition fees that we're mm. paid, we're, you know, we, we would love to share the experience because I think, um, you know, as founders need to have mentors, I think angel investors probably feel first-time angel investors probably feel a little bit more at ease if they can't be a co-investors with someone that has mm. a little bit more experience than you know the five of us are new and then let's try to do something together so a lead investor that has a little bit more experience i think sort of put um, the first timers a little bit at ease mm. but i think in asia um the the effort of educating uh, people to be angel investors 
are still, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. I just came back from the World Business Angel Forum in Turkey and I was surprised that just in Turkey and just the surrounding countries, Eastern European countries, the, the angel investments are so active, whether it's private or even, you know, um, from the government itself. So around the table, they're like uh, represented by 53 countries. So Malaysia is represented the first time. Just among us in the room, round table in 15 minutes we raise about half a million euro to invest so 10 20,000 each mm -hmm. just to comment um, but here in Asia I must say that uh, there's still a lot of uh, work to be done mm -hmm. like trans one of the things that I, I thought of was like uh, we have CEOs what if we could you know, transition them, some of them, to be investors. Like Seven State, you know, angel investors, you should go to those that has already, you know, their safe piggy bank in, you know, listed stocks and all this. And then a small portion of 10, 20% that they can, of, you know, if, if I lose it, it's okay. It's not yeah. going to, you yep. know, affect my lifestyle, right? Um, so I think that profile and then the do's and don'ts of being an angel investor. So, in developing countries, because founders, um, Singapore is very fortunate. Malaysia is not too bad. But in developing countries, uh, founders don't have access to uh, funding, whether it's government or private. And there are, of course, angels who has the two little horns and say, you know, there's 50,000, but I want 50% of your yeah, company or yeah, more, yeah. the sharks, yeah. right? And that is really bad because... Um, you know, that would actually kill their mm. company because the next investors were like, I would definitely not touch this company. Yeah. But if I'm evil enough, I'll say, hey, you actually got taken for a ride. You know, why don't we just let it die, close it, and you can take your idea. I'll, mm. just, I'll still give you 50000 but I only take 10%. Yeah, I think these situations, the problem is, is that real. it encourages angels to behave like that. Because yes. that's, that's the role model, isn't yes. it? That, yes. Oh, I've got to be like this guy who's, you know, with his wad of cash on the table. I'm in, I'm out. But if that's what is set as an example, the next generation of angels coming through will be like that too, right? So kind of what we want to do, and it's really interesting. Yeah, there are demons among us too, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> we, exactly. we were I thought you were all angels. <laughs> well... Well, I guess in a situation like this, right, if you get 50,000 for 50% of the company and you, you know, between the first raise and the second raise, it wasn't too far apart, how much are you going to value the company? Mm. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't make sense for a founder at this early stage to be diluted so much. At the end, the founder is the one who say, you know, to hell with it. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, sacrifice my life, everything for just, by the time it's like, what? Nothing. Less than yeah. few percent. So we need to keep the founders and the team motivated as well. I mean, taking a chunk of, uh, you know, someone's sweat at this price, I, I just don't think it's just right. greed, isn't it? It doesn't work at the end. Yes. Of it. Yep. yes. People, people, f you know, feel it. Yeah. Sooner or later. Yeah. yeah. We had the conversation off tape before when we were talking. I think when we had our first coffee a couple of weeks back, and we were talking about. The, the problem with like the shark tank model and so on. And as much as that's great entertainment, which is cool. I mean, it's TV. It's yeah. there for entertainment. It's not how it really happens mm. or not how it should happen. You made a really interesting point, Rena, which I think you said 
more as an offhand comment, but I think was quite profound. He said, I'm not a shark, I'm a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking about it. And on the way back, I was thinking, shark, not a dolphin, shark, not a dolphin. And I think there was some truth in that because, I mean, you know, if you were stranded out at sea, as many, you know, founders can find themselves, the last thing you want to see on the horizon is a shark. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see a dolphin a dolphin's going to help you it might yes. even like guide you home right yes, you know yes. they're, they're, they're quite benevolent creatures i mean they yes. can be quite vicious as well so don't yes. you know don't mess with them but i thought it was quite interesting because you know there's a lot of ego in this industry as well isn't there and to be positioning yourself say hey look yeah, i'm here to help effectively i want to help you know i see this as a team effort i might not be really hands-on but you know my resources and my contacts can really help here not as you know i'm gonna try and screw this startup founder for everything i can get see what i can get out of it and get a great deal i don't think every startup founder or even angel knows that that's how it should be and that's kind of what we want to change yep. though, isn't it i think you know how you behave you know sort of if you if you behave like this then expect the other person <laughs> to reciprocate mm. right so i think the do's and don'ts and the basic guideline of being an angel investor i think people it's easy to, to claim if i invest in a company even through kickstarter or crowdfunding five ten thousand or even less i'm an investor but you know i think the the word is quite broadly mm. and loosely used yeah yep. well this has been a great conversation and um it's not easy to get you guys to talk you know that on you're not you can go to our Angels Island, Angel Island. <laughs> in the making. Rina, Property is, price will go up then. We're in stealth mode. Remember? Stealth mode, okay. <laughs> All right. There's a teaser. We'll yes. edit, that, edit that out. <laughs> so yeah, the Angel, oh no, um, the, not the Angel Islands, but getting you guys to talk because, you know, there's another thing about angel investors, you tend to work in the background as well, but you know, you have really interesting ideas and you have a lot of experience between you. So, you know, trying to unlock that a little bit as well has been great and thank you for being so honest and open and direct in your you know your thoughts today um rena neo and Stephen Yu, thank you so much thank you thank you, thank you. A pleasure enjoy this fun. is our first recorded conversation we had a lot of conversations but not actually one on tape and we'll do this ho hopefully with every event that we're going to do you know um either here in singapore or when we take it around asia we will capture the conversations with angel investors and you know, get their ideas as well, and that part of that educating the both the founder and the angel community, how important that is, and you know that sort of angel to angel education, I think, is the missing link here yes, as well. Yes, it so, is. Um, if you are attending the event on March the twentieth, then you've listened to this. Hopefully, you will have had great advice. You know, you won't hear any better advice than directly from the horses' mouths, and also, um, you know, if you are an angel investor, then please reach out because. Like they said, they're interested in co-investors and onboarding new investors or people who may bring in certain assets or experiences that they don't have access to. We'd love to hear from you. This is Graham Brown. This has been Pitch Deck Angel. Angel? Angels? I get that right. <laughs> Pitch Deck Asia. Pitch Deck Angels. Angels. There we go. Signing out. We'll see you all on March the 20th. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.